welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm M, And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are returning to my unit of um, hashtag girl boss in the big city uh, with a more, his- well, I, they're all kind of historical because really the point of this was that... Uh, the books all came from like the late 90s, early 2000s, but a really well-known version of it is what we're reading today. And today we are reading Bridget Jones's Diary by Helen Fielding, uh, classic classic rom-com movie. Uh, I think they, again, an instance of where the movie might be better than the book, but what do mm. you think, Em? Um, you know, I think I probably agree. I think this mm-hmm. one has definitely tarnished with age a bit oh my god (laughs) um but before we kind of get into it it, let's talk about this genre question mark yeah i didn't know yeah good i i didn't know how you were gonna approach this so what'd you bring what'd you get well so it's not really necessarily a genre i think it's more Mm -hmm. of a trope right Mm -hmm. um but i did want to kind of discuss sort of the history of this kind of idea um and some of its forebearers and sort of like why it sparked off at this exact moment in history. Um, Sitting down for a thesis. Yes, here we go. It's not that in depth, but uh, it starts a little earlier. Subscribe to our secret Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It starts a few. Oh, let me see. When was this published? It starts about a decade before, uh, about two decades before Bridget Jones and Helen Fielding with a different Helen, Helen Gurley Brown, uh, who, First, Helen Gurley Brown. Helen Gurley, G-U-R-L-E-Y, mm. not like G-I-R-L-Y, although that would be great, yeah. um, who I believe is the first person to kind of coin and use the term having it all, mm-hmm. um, specifically in her book, Having It All, Love, ah. sex, yeah, <laughs> love Success, Sex, Money, even if you're starting with nothing. Um, is this like a self-help book? This is a self-help book, yes. Okay. Um, and this came about in the 80s, and it was marketed generally more towards women. Um, and there were quite a few self-help health, self-help books popping mm-hmm, up around mm-hmm. this era. Uh, and I think, you know, looking at this with the feminist lens, um, we kind of have this certain idea of women in the 80s and it usually the is shoulder pads shoulder pads business mm-hmm. working working out um just powerful mm-hmm. and and cool right like that's kind of finally the, women in the boardroom finally women can do everything and they can have it all right like mm-hmm. this is sort of the you too can have kids you ignore yes this is the era where we were like Yes, yes, we're equal now. We mm-hmm. can we can do everything <laughs> men can uh-huh. and we are going to be equally Just like Annie Oakley said. Yes, and we're going to be equally fulfilled doing things exactly in the same way that men do things, right? Mm-hmm. As in focusing on career and uh kind of having the family just be pieces in the background sort of thing. Yeah. Um So we have this sort of milieu in the 80s, right, of this Mm -hmm. general vibe. Um, And then we fast forward a little bit to the 90s in the grunge era, right? And we Uh start having the reaction to the 80s having it all. We start uh, having these conversations about, okay, well, A, I do have it all, as in I work, I, you know, have, I date, I uh, uh, have kids, whatever, 
um, and I'm still unhappy, right? Like that's the one conversation. Mm -hmm. And the other one is like, oh no, actually it is impossible to have it all, right? Like there's so many think pieces in the 90s and even like up till today about like, can you have it all? No, you can't. Stop being stupid, right? Like, (laughs) or what does having it all mean? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So the 90s really is like this backlash of the kind of having it all 80s uh, corporate America era of feminism. And we see this sort of reflected in sort of these books. And we mentioned that or you mentioned that this is earlier, but like still in the same very late 90s, 2000s. Um, Mm -hmm. This specific book, Bridget Jones's Diary, is actually was originally written more or less starting in 1996 because it was was, wondering about all the princess diana stuff yes it was a a newspaper column oh yes so interesting yeah so the book bridget jones's diaries is the consolidated newspaper column i had no idea so yeah i know right did helen fielding really write it over the course of a year yeah, so it was it oh, was cool. over like uh, an yeah an era, and sh- it was published without a byline. So mm-hmm. it was like theoretically the true kind of kind of a uh, uh, go ask Alice vibes of this is a real true modern woman writing about this, right? Which I don't think like anyone actually believes that right. because it would be the ridiculous. Things that Bridget gets up to are absurd and would not be willing to publish in a newspaper. But like that yeah, was the yeah. conceit, right? Of like. Mm-hmm oh, this is, this is, this character is really writing this stuff and we're publishing it. And this is a look into the, the psyche of the modern American woman, which, or modern British woman, which I think (laughs) that actually like kind of explains a lot of the over the top inness of it as well. Mm -hmm. Right. But then it did become, you know, such a phenomenon and people really like loved it. And it, so it kind of is one of the earliest examples of this sort of, trope of women trying and failing to have it all and what that um what that looks like and kind of the the expectation (laughs) yes how we cope the expectations of being a woman in the Mm -hmm. 90s and early aughts right Mm -hmm. um and which i think is also why it's kind of fallen out of favor i mean this is there's also kind of this thing with this trope where this is I would say specifically to what was at the time and sometimes still is called chiclet which yeah Yeah. um I saw kind of like some interesting distinctions and arguments about like chiclet is not romance right romance is romance Mm -hmm. chiclet is also women's fiction but it is uh women's fiction that is not focused on romance Mm -hmm. right so I think we've seen this a couple times like in both of the books that we've read there is romance happening but it's not necessarily the main thing or the main focus Mm -hmm. yeah the main Um, focus is Bridget and her her struggles daily struggles yes Mm -hmm. or you know working for Prada whatever Mm -hmm. um not Prada (laughs) she wears Prada. working for the devil who (laughs) wears the the devil who wears Prada and (laughs) thus becoming the devil who wears Prada yes as time went on we kind of had this backlash against the term chiclet Mm -hmm. and I think that kind of coincided with sort of the decline of these types of books where people Mm -hmm. were like oh we don't want to use the word chiclet like that's um you know devaluing women which yes I I agree with that I think chiclet (laughs) is not a great term yeah 
but at the same time that creates this uh uh false like this false convergence where what people are saying is they don't like the term chiclet and what publishers are hearing is chiclet is no longer what like the contents of chiclet Mm -hmm. are not what people want anymore so i think that there has been like kind of this decline like there are a few authors who i can point to and be like yeah i think that technically they would still fall into the chiclet category but they do get billed more as either romance or just straight fiction right Mm -hmm. and Um, then that causes a backlash with romance readers being like this isn't romance this isn't romance right yeah it's definitely there's a lot of there's this mistakes there this kind of genre which this trope is prevalent in that sort of had this heyday in this moment and now because of uh publishers misunderstanding what people wanted Mm -hmm. um has kind of disappeared like it's been sort of subsumed into other genres yeah which i think is like a really interesting publishing trend if you sort of look because you know i was looking up like lists of this trope or like you know lists of girl doing whatever and there's a few mm-hmm. that we haven't talked about like there's the nanny diaries is one of the yes, big ones that was one of why well, really yes. loved mm-hmm. the princess diaries by meg cabot also fits this vibe oh, yeah. really especially the later ones when she's older. yeah yeah um meg cabot is did she wrote like a couple follow-ups like during the pandemic didn't she or she at did least yeah she wrote a a royal wedding one i think where mm-hmm. the you know couple gets married um but yeah, yeah especially like the er- i actually think the earlier books are way less romance focused right. so they kind of fit more into this sort of vibe but even the the later ones yeah it is still more about like her life and whatever rather than necessarily a uh breakup and drama and whatnot sort mm-hmm. of thing um but yeah, there, you know, there's a few other ones. There's like uh, Emily Griffin, I think, has some that fit yes. into this trope. We talked about like Shopaholic fits into this trope. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not really, it's very hard to find them now because they don't. It is. It's all like women's fiction. And sometimes that's just really sad stuff. Yeah. So it's hard to, to find exactly what this trope is or has become in the modern day. Mm-hmm. It's going to take some some research and I may have to actually read a book in advance in order to accurately pick out one that'll that be the second this. time it'll <laughs> listen and both for this unit listen listen <laughs> only one I can't on believe I can't believe I'm being shamed for being ahead of schedule <laughs> it's more the implication that it's atypical <laughs> okay come for my neck why don't you Listen, I'm just saying. Anyway, that was my thesis on Girl in I the City. I like that. Can't that was good. I should have known you'd bring the women's studies into it. Of course. Um, that I Yeah, it is very much like sometimes you just really want to read a book about a woman having like a funny good time in her life. And yeah. I mean, she struggles, but it's not like it's not a chore it's not sad to read about because i think the thing about this book is like yes bridget jones's diary is very dated so much fat phobia there's Mm -hmm. there's some racism there is um like not like straight up homophobia but very dated like a view of what what uh you know different the whole spectrum of sexuality sexuality yeah yes i will Um, also say the racism i felt this is don't take this out of context, y'all. Yeah. I felt better about the racism in this book than the last one because I it, felt like most of the time fun. the race. Yeah, it was like yeah. some old person being racist. Haha, isn't that funny? Versus mm-hmm. like the narrator actually having those beliefs. 
Yes. And that's what I was going to say. Like, despite like all of that, it never seemed like Bridget's intention was like the, the, the book was never overly nasty, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I found, I, I liked, I love Bridget. I do. I love Bridget Jones. And I like the way that she just goes about from one disaster to another. And she was very charming to read about. And the book is, has its problems. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying everyone go out and read this now. But if you so happen to find yourself uh, wanting a little bit of nostalgia from, from the time period, uh, and you've seen the movie too many times, and you want to go back to the source material, whatever, this is who I'm recommending it to, um, definitely, definitely re- reach for it. It's not it's not uh it's, it's a good time despite it sometimes being rough <laughs> around rough around the edges i think um would you recommend it still um in yeah, i think i think uh kind of along those lines who i might recommend this for mm-hmm. is i remember reading books when i was you know a young adult of like set in the 80s right and having that nostalgia for a time i didn't exist in mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. think this could be a really fun read for like uh uh kids who are coming up now who are like a uh, young adult like yeah. not not young adult like book publishing but like you know over 18 you know in college sort of thing mm-hmm. like just because it has that nostalgia of the 90s like it's yeah. very it, it feels, feels very true so to it. 90s right absolutely and and I mean, like, I was young in the 90s, but I still lived through it. I think this would be, like, a really fun read for anybody who wasn't alive in the 90s as, like, a, this is, this was the vibe, right? Yeah. you know. Especially because of the, you know, fashion and stuff is coming back. Yeah, exactly. Y2K fashion is very in. Uh, yeah, I, I loved, I loved the references to, like, calling, calling that secret number on the phone to see mm-hmm. who called you, having to leave messages, not knowing where your friends were at every yep. single moment in time, and... I just, oh, it was, it was just, a, it was like a comfort read kind of, but also every other chapter you were like, girl, please, you are so thin. Yeah. The fat, the fat <laughs> phobia was the worst. Definitely. It's at the top of every journal entry. So it's like, it's <laughs> literally her way. I would say don't recommend, I don't recommend this to anyone who has ever, you know, dealt with eating disorder stuff and yeah. can be triggered by that sort mm-hmm. of thing because she has an eating disorder, right? Like, absolutely. She knows, she can tell you how many calories are in like any amount of food. Yeah. Uh, and her friends are like that's weird yeah I think I was gonna say it gets brought up towards the end because which I feel like it should have been and it kind of makes me wonder if maybe since this was being published over time right Mm -hmm. if like maybe she was getting flack for that aspect Mm. and being like this like women don't actually do this this is a stereotype that women are obsessed with calories Mm -hmm. so maybe then she was like okay I gotta bring this in of like no, this is a Bridget specific thing, but then it does come off as like a disorder, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, she she imagines so whenever she's whatever she considers um, extremely overweight is around one hundred and thirty one pounds, and she's like looking at herself and imagining just like you know, like having having visible like fat, like like love handles and and muffin top situation, you know. Mm. Um, and being just absolutely repulsed by that. And it's like, girl, you are 131 pounds. It's probably water weight because you weighed 120 something the other day. Like you're gorgeous. Stop. You're Renee Zellweger. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I feel like that is also very specific to that time period, right? Yes. Of like these absolutely 
wild ideas of how much people are supposed to weigh because Mm -hmm. I remember you know when I was a young teen I I can't remember which book it was but there was some book that mentioned like how much the protagonist weighed and Mm. she was upset about it and it was like in the 120s and me as a six foot tall teenage girl obviously did not weigh 120 pounds and I Mm. remember being so upset by it because I was just like oh I must be like a whale right Right. because Mm -hmm. like I'm a foot taller than this character was or whatever Mm -hmm. um and also because you know I was eating (laughs) yeah Yeah. you You know like yeah right like so just the the that like I because I feel like if you went on one of those they they have like simulators or whatever of like this is what a body at this weight and height would look mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and I feel like if you ran a lot of these weights it would be like dang girl <laughs> that's that's not even close to please have some food please yeah. which you know again like people can be skinny and that's fine yeah. too but like but like Bridget is like uh, I only had 900 calories today. It was a very good day. I'm like, yes. Mm, That's the part that I was yeah. like, this is like, you can be whatever weight. Like you should not be this concerned with what weight you are because like people carry weight differently and whatever. Yes, and the yeah. number is essentially meaningless. Right. Um, but the, the calorie counting was so triggering. Like it was, it ugh. was, it reminded me very, very deeply of like what it was like being a teen girl at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it was not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that part's not so good. But yeah, you can kind of skip those parts if you want. Yeah, just they're like the all top at the, of chapters, and they're bolded. So like, yeah. just train your eyes to skip over it. It's just a bunch you're of numbers. Not, you're anyway. not losing anything. Yeah. No, I always skip over strings of numbers myself. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> awesome. Well, what else have you been reading, uh, either in this vein or not? Um. Well, so I first, like I said, I was trying to find books kind of in this uh, genre that were more recent. Um, and I did read one and it was pretty okay, but I'm not going to recommend it because mm-hmm. I thought it was written by uh, a BIPOC author uh-huh. and it was not. Um, okay. So, you know, I think Oops. it was the only one of their books that had a black protagonist on the cover. So that's kind of my bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I'm still, I was still like looking back at it and I'm like, I'm not sure if I love how everything was handled there. Um mm. But I did also read or listen to um, recently a book called Never Ever Getting Back Together by Sophie Gonzalez. Never ever of getting course, back yes. together. Um, now, my one complaint I will lead in with this is that the characters were like 18, which I was like, oh, dang okay. it. I thought they were older than that young. because of the yeah. premise. Yeah. Um, but the premise is this girl her ex-boyfriend contacts her and is like please come on this dating show the premise of the dating show is that it's all of my exes and I'm supposed to like revisit them and figure out if there was like a chance at love right Mm -hmm. and the guy had cheated on her rude and she's like what the fuck I don't want to and like had cheated on her and also like kind of framed it in a way to people that she was being crazy and like they didn't overlap basically Mm. and that she was lying about still being with him right Mm -hmm. so she's like what the fuck but then she's like i'm gonna go on it to get revenge right Mm -hmm. who else is on it but of course the girl that he cheated with (gasps) right 
So they're instant enemies. And they're like, oh my God, I hate you so much because you're the, you know, he cheated on me with you. You're the other woman. And the other girl is like, you're crazy. Like he didn't cheat on you, blah, blah, blah. Uh They kind of, there's like a little bit fight back and forth. And then they eventually discover via her checking her old, like showing her her old text. Like, oh no, like, no, he did straight up cheat on me. And the other girl is like, I cannot believe this. I'm so sorry. I should have believed you. We have to take him down together. Oh, like John Tucker must die. Like John Tucker must die. Except then they fall in love. (gasps) Oh. I love it. Perfect premise. I love it. Perfect premise. Oh, so, so good. good. Um, so yeah, if you're like a, a reality TV show book fan, which I always kind of love reality TV too, show yeah. based books, um, it's great. It was really fun, and I was like, yes, lesbians love that. I mean, bisexual, but I like that the reality show books to me are like it's the romance version of like the Hunger Games style books of YA that I read. Yes. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to them. Yes, exactly. Because it's like <laughs> competition. Love it. But also yes. like the great thing with this one was because the guy sucked. Um, there there could have been like the impetus to make some of the girls crazy or like mean or whatever. But like all of the girl characters were like legitimately charming. And uh. Uh, even though sometimes they were like they didn't necessarily believe the main characters or like thought he was still a good guy or whatever Mm -hmm. it was because he was being shown to be very manipulative right like they Uh, were still and like there's even like there's a character who's like an influencer who came on the show basically to you know grow her audience Mm -hmm. and I feel like a lot of times that would be kind of played as like oh she's the villain right but like yeah she's very uh like friendly and uh, helpful to to everyone else and like everybody is like yeah of course you came on the show to increase your like that's what these shows are for right like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah which yeah. I thought it makes was, like, sense yeah absolutely like so there's a lot I of like, like that not shaming women for doing yes, things that exactly. women are interested in doing yes it was yes. very like a little you know a little bit cheesy at times as any dating yeah. show book is gonna be but I had a lot of fun with it yeah, it was really absolutely. it was really enjoyable that sounds fun how about you now. what have you been reading um, well, unfortunately, I am deep in the thrall of Baldur's Gate 3. I yes, haven't read too ma'am. much. Um, but I will read and let me do let me do a little bit of a, a promotional stuff for our friend Kate over at all the good ah. dogs podcast. I did read uh, a night in the lonesome October by Roger Zelazny to uh, for her podcast because it's the from the point of view of a dog. Um, and it was I thought just a weird, weird little little delight. I loved it. It is. Um, Told from the point of view of Snuff, who is the dog of of Jack the Ripper. Um, oh. So go into it knowing Jack the Ripper is kind of a main character. Um, but, but, you the, know, if you listen to our Titanic series, you're already on board for that. You're already familiar. Yeah, you already know. Um but the story takes place, each chapter is one night in the month of October. And basically all these people uh, that are famous uh, characters in literature. So we have like Frankenstein shows up, Sherlock shows up, um, uh, Rasputin shows up. Just like all these like different like kind of Victorian era gothic literature people show up and they all compete in a game and I don't really want to go too in depth with what that is because that's part of the discovery of the book but they are all working they are on opposing sides of 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 a game that they're all playing uh that only happens once every few centuries or no sorry only happens a few times every century um so it is it's a little bit spooky but do keep in mind that it does dip a little bit into Lovecraftian stuff so if you're not into that um I completely understand it's not like it's 
it's not it's not like uh overwhelmingly about that it's just kind of in the background just like as a thing um but there is like a whole chapter where they dive into a lovecraftian world so um did we read one of his books on the we podcast? did we read the the road road time road one. Oh yeah 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 that <laughs> what one was, was good too yeah and i just think he writes like really delightfully weird books and i've been i've been going through my weird book era this mm. year i've just like i want i've been desiring fiction that does something weird with it like gets very meta kind of yeah and this book definitely does and uh i would i would recommend it if you are also into weird things and don't mind hp lovecraft I'm not saying we should give him a pass, but if you can read about him and not be mad, then go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah. Awesome. That's And good. also look for my episode on that coming out on All the Dogs podcast. Oh, soon. yeah. I also have an episode coming out over yes. there, but I hated the book that we read for it, so I haven't recommended it Don't over here. Don't read the book, but Don't do listen the to book, the podcast. Don't read the book, but do episode. listen to me trash the book. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely, <laughs> from what I've heard, it is worth every angry feeling. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Bridget Jones and let's her diary. Let's get to Bridget. Bridget, how are you? Um, so a lot of people, again, with with uh, the same as with The Devil Wears Prada, a lot of people might be familiar kind of with the conceit of Bridget Jones's diary. It is the year and the life of a woman in her 30s who was working what she feels is a dead-end job, is uh, very single at the moment, wants to be in a relationship, feels like all of her friends are starting to pair off and get married and have kids. And uh, she just kind of feels unlucky in a lot of ways uh she has a mom and a dad who live a bit out of out of the city uh that are trying to push her to be with this man that she has known since childhood named mark darcy so the 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 year starts off the new year starts off with her at a party with him and mark darcy played by colin firth is uh just seems really standoffish doesn't really want to get to know her uh doesn't really seem to want to have anything to do with her and so she immediately is like i don't like this guy and then we don't hear about him for a long time this was very as someone who remembers the movie more than the book i was confused by this (laughs) i was also i was like because i don't i hadn't read the book Right. I have seen the movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was like, where's where's the man, though? Yeah, like, don't they compete a little bit more is yeah. my understanding of it. But I, I, I haven't seen the movie in a while, so maybe I'm I wrong. haven't either. I might be misremembering. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I felt like Mark Darcy was more of a... And more maybe permanent it's just fixture more permanent throughout, yeah. but maybe it's just a lot of the middle stuff doesn't make it to the movie. So, like, I could it understand seems, that. seems, yeah. you know... There was a lot of stuff happening at the end where I was like, oh, this dang. Is yeah, this wild. Is, this is all still in here. And we're like really close to the end now. It was an interesting pacing, I felt like. Yeah, I <laughs> I definitely they it was backloaded for certain. Um, not to say that the beginning is not interesting, but it is it is very much like this is the life of Bridget doing normal things in Bridget's life. She's going to work. She's feeling mm-hmm. awkward at parties because she doesn't know how to talk to people. She doesn't know how to network, which I think is very uh, relatable. Um and, you know, her friends, she goes out drinking too much. She overeats when she doesn't want to. She's trying to kick her smoking habit, and it's very difficult. She's buying lottery tickets when, you know, she knows that that's just a waste of money. Um, but she's doing her best, you know, and dodging her mom, who her mom and dad, after her mom comes back from a girl's trip, 
Her mom declares that she wants a break from her marriage, her longstanding marriage with with father, daddy, who she calls daddy throughout the book, even when they are separated. She continues to call him daddy. Just was a choice. Putting your kinks out there in the yeah. open, aren't you? Aren't yeah, you Mrs. a little Jones. Bit. <laughs> um, but basically, Bridget's mom has said, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom. I never had a career. I raised you kids. Bridget and Bridget's brother I don't he's not really a character he's, he's just not really mentioned yeah I kept thinking he was gonna show up yeah like where's Jamie through all of this yeah. nowhere off doing uh, his own thing which I guess is how real life siblings work for a lot of people but yeah, yeah. not really um. my experience with siblings. <laughs> <laughs> I usually start a podcast with their wives instead there oh. you go <laughs> Uh, but he, she, she declares that she is done with this. She finds her life unfulfilling and she wants a break from dad. And she begins, mom begins to have this journey of like sexual discovery. She gets a job on television, which, you know, is, <laughs> is very funny. Cause her mom is like, her mom doesn't mind. How can I say her mom is a little bit detached from the reality of the situation right Mm -hmm. so she she gets this job in television and she like gets people to lie on camera so that she can try and get more views and she thinks like she's um she just thinks she's very like consequence free in a way that catches up to her at the end of the book I think a little bit uh but yeah so she's dating all these guys Bridget of course is worried about this and also feels some like inadequacy compared to her mom who decided like hey i'm she's an older woman just decided she was going to do these things immediately got men uh and uh, having relationships with multiple men uh has a has a fascinating new glamorous job and uh here's bridget in her publishing career that she feels is a dead end she starts up a flirtation with her boss daniel played by hugh grant um and it is very obvious to the reader, and I think to Bridget too, that he is not really uh, the kind of guy you can rely on, right? He is very uh, flighty with her. He he mm. makes plans and then cancels them at the last minute, but he's very hot and very persistent. And so after like a couple dates and a couple times where Bridget has turned him down, he they finally start a relationship together, a long-term relationship. If you can call it long-term, because I think it's only like two or three months in the book. Um, but a lot of pages, so yeah. it has to count for something. A lot of diary entries. Yes. Um, so the, he is her boss, and they do a lot of flirting at work. It basically starts because, like, they have this joke about she comes to work in a skirt that is very short, and the boss is like, where is your skirt? You're not wearing one today. And um, I just... I would not have it been was, attracted to this. Come on. <laughs> yep, for sure. For, and here's here's the other the thing with Daniel Cleaver of it here's all. Here's the thing with Daniel. Uh, do I like him? No. No. Do I think he's actually a better match for Bridget? Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. Because I'm like, if there, if if you're responding to this level of flirting, you you two are just made for each other, obviously. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is this is. I mean, maybe it's post me to not in the workplace vibes that are giving me the ick but i'm just like you find this hot really yeah this is working for you uh, there, he <laughs> nags her a lot also which i feel like there's so some of that that's like just 
the British sense of humor or whatever mm-hmm. of but like it's mean. But it's mean. He's mean to her. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Because he never balances it out with kindness. Right. Yeah. Like maybe if he made a couple of jokes at her expense, but then we also saw how he loved and supported her otherwise. Right. It would be more possible, but he's really just a shitbag from beginning but I mean, to like, end. I guess she's into getting negged. So I'm like, I yeah, just feel like I get that it's like love triangle. I mean, like it's not really that much of a love triangle, honestly. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's portrayed way more so in other, you know, media. But the the comparison between Darcy and I want to say Wickham because it's Pride and Prejudice, but not Darcy, Dang. not Wickham, Cleaver, Cleaver um, yeah. is very like these two are not on the same level even a little bit they're completely no. different people one you is would... very wealthy human rights activist lawyer not activist human rights lawyer uh it comes from money nice and yeah. a little bit wry but not super mean mm-hmm. and, and apparently extremely shy and awkward and like shy and awkward Darcy. right exactly yeah. i mean like the the plot is literally it's pride and prejudice, and prejudice right mm-hmm. and i believe the second one is persuasion but oh. Oh, I didn't really look too much into the one to one there, but yeah. I kind of yeah. Yeah, this um, is like if you if you made if you made Pride and Prejudice at its silliest. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I uh, I t- <laughs> our our Bridget, she's lovely, but she's no uh, intellectual giant, we'll say. And I do have to wonder what she and Mark would find to talk about, right? Uh, after hours, like. Sure, they're, they might have really great sex, and he might have had a crush on her since childhood. I didn't really... I, it's definitely childhood friends to lover situation, but I don't... He's had a crush on her way it longer seems, than she's ever... It seemed like they were just, him. like, just knew each other as, like, very, very small kids. Oh. Like, three years old, I think. Oh, okay. And then they, like, didn't really hang out mm-hmm. at all until this party. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they were, like... I don't think they were, like, BFFs or anything. Gotcha, gotcha. So very, very early childhood friends to yeah. eventual lovers as adults. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, he, he kind of has... Or he at least finds her attractive and funny when he when they first stumble across each other at the beginning of this book. But in true Darcy fashion, does not express that to her at all. Uh, and, and kind of just fucks off for a very long period of time yeah. while she's like, why was that man so rude to me? Why does he hate me? Okay, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she develops this relationship with Daniel instead. And the reader knows that Daniel is probably, uh, Bridget's not the only woman in Daniel's life. Um, and and that does culminate in her discovering that Daniel uh, was cheating with her because she is actually the other woman in this situation. Uh, but Daniel does have a uh, bronze Amazonian American goddess uh, that now, he is set to marry. <laughs> I would actually disagree. I don't mm. think he was cheating with her. I think he was cheating on her because mm-hmm. the bronze Amazonian goddess is aware of Bridget. Mm. She, when she walks into her being naked at Daniel's apartment, she's like, oh, is this Bridget? Like, oh, she is cute, like sort of thing. She is mm-hmm. obviously aware of who Bridget is. Mm. And, like, it reads open relationship to me. Yeah. Which is fine. But then I think that, and I, you know, I go back and forth. How long mm-hmm. were they dating? Did they DTR? Did they, you know, define the relationship? Mm-hmm, Did they say, mm-hmm. like, we're only seeing each other? Are they exclusive? I don't know if they were dating long enough. I feel mm-hmm. like that's also, like, a very 90s thing of, like, 
not necessarily having the talk just being yeah, like well we've been dating long steady. enough right yeah. like um so whereas he was going to great lengths to hide her this yes, other woman from Bridget. yes which is why i think by 90 standards the fact that they had been together long enough was an implication that they were exclusive they went on holiday together versus if this was set now i would 100 percent say like no you guys never said you were exclusive you can't expect exclusivity sorry mm-hmm. um that's that's you know personally my rule i know some people are like well of course after you know however many months everyone should just know you're exclusive i'm like no nah, that's dumb. Well, you should still make everybody it should clear. say it you yeah. should say it <laughs> if you want to be exclusive it shouldn't be a problem to say it then yeah 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 so so that's I don't I don't think that she was technically the other woman. I think she still was the one who was cheated on uh, mm-hmm. by by the rules of engagement. <laughs> Just simply by the fact that she didn't know there was yeah, another person. Yeah, that she she was mm-hmm. not told that the relationship was open and it seems like the other woman had that understanding. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's technically a cheat in that direction. Um they do break up and it does cause Bridget some strife. I will say I do really enjoy her friend group in this book. I think she had uh I think she had some fun friends. Of course she has Tom, her best friend who is gay and is that is like his whole personality is that he's gay and that's all Bridget ever talks about is like this is my gay friend Tom. Um and then she has her two gal pals Jude and and Shazers, Sharon. Um who are basically theirs they're also in their 30s and they're also single or have on again off again relationships and are just there to kind of like rally around Bridget to be like hey men are trash especially Sharon Mm -hmm. who was always like you can't settle which I really appreciated her her views on it I'm like yeah Sharon you're right you're right it was very angel and devil on the shoulder right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like Jude is like just let men walk all over you Jude is like just do feng shui and it will be okay She's always reading these self-help books. And she's dating Vile Richard. Vile Richard. She doesn't call him Vile. Everyone else calls him Vile Richard behind her back uh, because he's terrible. (laughs) Um, And then she has her group of like her married friends who are more hang out with each other as they're all married. Um, And uh, but they never like besides trying to like get Bridget into a relationship, like setting her up on blind dates and stuff, like seem to be otherwise very supportive of her as a person. And I like that they had these moments in the book where she would like there was one uh, moment where she was really worried about her birthday and just like the the self-consciousness. Yeah, yeah, it's like, what do I want to do for my birthday? Because I don't want to invite all these people out and make them pay for their own dinners because that seems like really self-centered of me. But I also don't want to have that many people over to my house and be worried about hosting for all of them. And uh, so what kind of does end up happening is she has them all over and she tells them, like, I'm going to cook for everyone and I'm going to make all these delicious, complex meal, this whole whole meal. And uh she is you're you're reading along and Bridget is just having one disaster after another in the kitchen and then you finally get to the birthday party and she's like my friends are so sweet because they already knew I was gonna mess this up and they made a reservation at a really nice <laughs> restaurant and everyone agreed to go there and then they all paid for my dinner and I was like That's honestly <laughs> friend goals to have Truly. your friends know like She's talking out of her ass on this one. Yes, yes. And then when she does have like the next, the follow-up dinner party at her house at Christmas time. Yeah. And uh, she, again, just fucks it up entirely. Like there, there's Tom and, and Mark at this point is kind of hanging around a little bit. Uh, help her in the kitchen to kind of like 
salvage some of the food yeah salvage some of the food and her other friends are very they eat it which i probably might not have had blue soup but you know it's fine yeah because i was thinking about that too because the soup is like she she's supposed to tie up the aromatics or something yes and she didn't have cooking twine she just used blue thread blue blue thread and i'm like oh well you know like just food calling i'm like no dye from thread would not be food that's not the same it's not food yeah yeah i probably wouldn't eat that very nice friends Uh, but yeah, I really like that because she does stress a lot about like she calls them the smug married. So they're her mm-hmm. married friends that are in relationships uh, and very seem to be very fulfilled about that. But then as we go along, we kind of find out, OK, so like some of them are having marital trouble. Some of them are like not happy with being, you know, a stay at home mom with two kids. And she feels like she's stuck in her marriage. And like it's just um, I don't know. It was very it was just very real and and it was nice it was nice to see a woman with a lot of supportive friends yeah because i feel like we've talked about a few times a lot of times when it's a female main character they'll have like one friend you know yeah yeah especially and i mean like friend because i'm anti-social right and again this isn't a romance book but i feel like that's especially prevalent in romances where Mm -hmm. it's like oh i just need a friend to bounce ideas about me dating this hot guy off of you know um and, and maybe that's the difference between like chiclet and romance is like in the romance you're only focused on the two characters who are going right. to get together and maybe like another couple that will be featured in the next book mm-hmm. but um in in this you kind of get the whole the whole array of yeah. found family situation kind of so yeah and i think that's like kind of the answer to the like oh fuck we can't have it all sort of thing of like mm-hmm. oh well let's i mean like i definitely think moving forward that's sort of where this train of thought leads of like oh trying to behave in ways that fit into the already existing patriarchal standards but just taking the place of the patriarch is not actually fulfilling or uh sustainable when you don't have uh unpaid servant at home to keep everything running for you um so how do we find fulfillment and then uh, you you move into the sort of found family era, right? Where it mm-hmm. is less about like nuclear family and being a boss at in the boardroom yeah. and whatever. Um, uh, like rent also coming out of this era. I feel like there's something yeah. there of like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I guess. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying rent is good. I'm saying that rent is <laughs> yeah, that same that it vibe. It explains of, rent, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, great. So, Cool. I'm trying to think of the next big plot point that happens is I guess she just she. okay. so Mark Darcy's parents are celebrating their Ruby wedding anniversary, which I I thought gold and silver were like 25 and 50 here. So I don't know what Ruby is in the UK. 40. 40? No, I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought you said it with such authority. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's it's a big milestone anniversary. They're they're doing a whole like ceremony. I guess is the vibe. Mm. I don't know, but um, I feel like if this was written now, it would have been. I keep making comparisons between the '90s and now, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like if this was written now, it would be like a vowel renewal, right? That could be, yeah, it would be mm-hmm, like what mm-hmm. the thing is because yeah, I don't think anyone really does. I and maybe Ruby also weddings. this might be a cultural thing, not even just Ruby, but like. I don't I'm I know some couples do parties for their anniversaries mm-hmm. especially milestone ones. I've never personally known anyone who's done that. Yeah. I've been to a couple of milestone anniversary parties but they're like mm. 50. 
yeah 50th or 25th like big yeah. big ones and I feel like that like that it makes sense because like you're an older person who potentially has multiple children that have kids of their own and you just want mm. everybody in town at the same time and it's kind of an excuse to just bring your family together right um so you know but yeah it's definitely it's certainly not something that like you know people are that people would think was the the standard you know maybe it's big in Britain though it British, could be very British big in Britain. Litter, British listeners. Let us let know. Let us know. Are you guys yeah. just having anniversary parties every other what weekend? What are you What's doing up? for your Ruby wedding? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mark Mark Darcy's having this party. He's hosting the party in his very big home because he kind of lives in a mansion, I guess. And um, he basically, Bridget's mom calls up and is like, hey, you need to come to this party. I think it'd be really great for you. And Bridget's like, no, I'm not going to party at Mark Darcy's house. He doesn't, he's, I one, he hasn't extended an invitation to me. And two, like, I just, I don't want to hang out with all of you and your friends. And like, I know you and dad are having marital issues. I just don't want to be, I don't want to be in all that. And uh, mom is like, don't be silly. You're going to come. Uh, and so she does get an invitation um, from Mark Darcy eventually and uh, she's fully intending to say no I'm not coming but then her dad calls up and is like hey your mom's gonna be there and she's definitely gonna bring some new boyfriend and I want to go and I want to show her that I'm leaving a leading a good life too without her but I just need your moral support so she's like oh, fine all right I guess I will go dad for my papa for my papa so she ends up going to the party and while there Mark Mark Darcy shows up with his girlfriend uh, who is this like very prissy woman named Natasha? And of course he shows up there. It's his house. But so Bridget's like, "Hey, thanks for inviting me." And he goes, "I didn't. My mother did." And uh, so Bridget's like, "Okay, I really hate this guy. He makes no sense to me." Um. So she does the party, and uh, she's feeling a little bit awkward about everything. She ends up like she finds herself out in the courtyard of his house or the backyard of his house or something and there's like some teenage kid out there who was like hey will you dance with me I've never danced with an older woman before and she's like you know what fuck it she dances with this kid to fulfill his whatever teenage fantasy of dancing with a attractive older woman and Darcy sees this and he's like hey uh have dinner with me and she's like you have a girlfriend he's like now I don't so I, it was like a weird, like you were jealous of a 16 year old moment sort of situation, but whatever. I read it, I read it less as he was jealous of a 16 year old and more just like he's has this idea of Bridget and I'm, I'm maybe pulling pride and prejudice vibes here, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. he has this idea of Bridget as like this, like bubbly, vivacious put, not necessarily put together, but like kind of unapproachable in a, like, she's just so uh uh like she's so full of life joy de vivre you know mm-hmm. sort of thing Living and then up in he London town. sees her being nice to a kid that she didn't have to be nice to mm. and he's like oh she's not just gonna shoot me down right, right. like I, yes. I think that to me that's how that read i more, see so it more made than him a feel thing. more confident seeing yeah, her that, be nice to a child yes that he was like oh she's like i've maybe i've built her up in my head mm. she's just a She's a person She's just too. A person. Yeah, sort of thing. If only he could have read her diary. If only <laughs> he wouldn't know how much a fucking disaster she is. Oh, it's truly, it's truly astounding how many things could go wrong for one person in one year. <laughs> it's so, almost Amelia Vidalia levels. <laughs> truly. Um, 
so she um oh she also quit her job i forgot to mention she did quit her job at the publishing uh house that she worked at with daniel um shortly after um she found out about him cheating and he really had the gall daniel was like you can't leave me you know you don't know how hellish the past few weeks have been for me and uh was was yelled at by another co-worker that bridget did not really have a strong relationship with but ended up being like having her back at the end but um so she left that job and she now has a job on television as well and that has had varying degrees of success but that's important to the next plot so so Darcy's like, have dinner with me on Tuesday, and uh, Bridget is getting ready for the date, and she notices a lot of time has gone past, and then eventually decides that Darcy has stood her up for the date. Um, meanwhile, what has actually happened is that she was blow-drying her hair so loudly that she didn't hear him ring his doorbell 12 times in a row, or didn't hear when, him ring her doorbell. When he showed up early. When he showed up early, yeah. So, so oh, how are these two ever going to get along? Uh, she's she's the dryer early. <laughs> So there was that miscommunication. He like did not contact her at all after that because he was mad. He thought she had stood him up. And of course she wasn't going to reach out because she thought he had stood her up. Oh, miscommunications galore. But they run into each other when she is trying to get an interview for this court case that has been going on. Some woman, it was like a self-defense situation in which a woman was assaulted and at her work. And uh, she was like a nanny for this family and she acted out in self-defense and she gets off. uh, She is, uh, uh, acquitted and yes. um, so she Bridget has to go and get that interview and she runs into Mark there at the courthouse because he was the woman's lawyer and they kind of explain like oh uh, this is what happened and Darcy laughs it off and is like oh, okay let me get you that interview let me get you this exclusive so and I think also this is the same thing of like he sees her being nice to other people, right? Because mm. she's buying treats for all of the other reporters. Mm-hmm. The camera, camera crew and the and camera staff. crew mm-hmm. and all of that, which she does, A, doesn't have to do, and B, is why she's not out there, like, trying to get the scoop at the same time as them, right? So right. I think, again, it's, like, this thing where he's, like, seeing her as, like, not put together, but also in a very, like, flattering way, right? Where it's, like, oh, she's not this, like, super together career woman she actually is you know going to get do a snack run for everybody sort of Mm -hmm. thing like Mm -hmm. i i feel like there's that's these are the moments where mark is like yeah we can make this work we could do yeah (laughs) i care about human rights and she's a human so she must have rights she's a human and she likes to buy reese's or whatever for (laughs) in long term i don't know but in the short term i can see it Probably wouldn't be racist. It probably would be like Cadbury or something. Cadbury, yeah. What do yeah, they have yeah. over there? Flakes. I like those flakes, flakes bars. Yeah, flakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so We're she gets get her. A bunch she of gets angry her... British people being like, "We have Reese's over here. What?" Um, <laughs> And then we're going to have a bunch of even more angry British people being like, what the fuck was that? What was that? What was that? (laughs) (laughs) I I think this will be more contentious than the time we said the Thomas River on purpose. We know it's not pronounced that way. I don't. don't I don't know that. (laughs) Um... So she so so they're they're talking again, but Mark has not asked her out on another date. And she's like, what should I do? Because I don't want to ask him on a date, but I do want to show him I'm interested in dating him still. So what should I do? So she has this idea that she's going to have a dinner party. This is the second dinner party we were discussing. Um, 
she's going to have another dinner party where she invites a bunch of her friends and also Mark. So it's not really a date, but it gives her an opportunity to see him and talk to him and all her friends to vet him. Uh, so they have the party and it it is disastrous. Uh, but Mark is very sweet about it all. And, uh, they help her out to try and salvage something of the meal. But then in the middle of the dinner party, she gets a phone call from her father who was crying and she's like, what's wrong? And he said, sweetie, your mother is wanted by the police. She and her boyfriend have run off and, uh, have embezzled a lot of our friends and, uh, out, out of their money, pretending that there are some timeshares uh, that they are investing in, whatever. And now your mom is wanted by, like, Interpol or something. <laughs> like, Which is, Bridget's like, oh, that explains this interaction I just had with my mom earlier today where she said uh, that she was going to the airport and didn't have any, uh, and couldn't convert any money over. She's, go, she's flying to Portugal, didn't have time to get, uh, traveler's checks and I needed to loan her some cash and all she wanted was $200. And I thought that was a whole really weird thing, but I didn't say anything about it or didn't think anything of it. Uh, but now mom is on the run from the police in Portugal. So we, and this is like the very end of the book. It's wild. We, uh, <laughs> Mark Mark Darcy immediately goes into lawyer mode, but also becomes sort of like a vigilante superhero of some kind. <laughs> Gets a real Batman about it. Um, so while Bridget is at home, like they're worried about mom, she's not hearing from from Darcy very much. And she's a little bit offended, but she's like, well, he probably doesn't want to deal with someone who A, can't cook and B, has a mom who's on the run. I mean, it place. is it is pride and prejudice, right? It is, it's, yeah. It, it's the thing where, you know, he's off to go fix the problem and yes lizzie's left at home being like i guess he wants nothing to do with me anymore mm-hmm. but yes but it turns out uh mr darcy has flown to portugal and found uh <laughs> found elizabeth not elizabeth sorry found bridget's mom has brought her back and has managed to fi- managed to get the charges dropped because they're like this woman clearly didn't know what her boyfriend was doing uh which mm, I don't know. Maybe mom. White privilege. White privilege. (laughs) Maybe mom did. She does not seem remorseful at all for anything that happened, we'll say. Yeah. Um, And... And so mom is delivered back and and Bridget's having a hard time with she's always had a little bit of a contentious relationship with her mom. Right. As we all as we all have problems sometimes relating to our mothers and their expectations no, not me. of us. <laughs> Never. Um, <laughs> but uh, she she's having even more issues with her mom now because she feels like mom didn't learn a lesson from all of this. Mom is still like wanting to be with that other man. And she should just like she should at Julio. least feel. Julio she should at least be sorry towards her friends who she actively fucked over um and also Mark Darcy is not talking to her because again he's still off dealing with the problem so what what he is doing in the background is going he has gone back to Portugal he has he has gone deep undercover to find Julio and where he's been hiding out and what he's done with the money and has been able to retrieve the money for some of the friends and he um he it tricks Julio into coming back to London by being like, uh, mom, because I don't remember her name in the book. Mom is back with dad and they're going to have Christmas together and sleep in the same bed. And he has deduced that Julio is still in love with mom and uh, that will spur him to go back to London so that he can be arrested for his crimes and yada, 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 yada. So it all works out exactly like that. Um, Julio shows up on Christmas Day and is like, oh, this woman, I love her. And she's like, let's go upstairs for a quickie real quick. 
Uh, they do have one last moment together before Bridget tricks her mom into coming downstairs so the police can go upstairs and arrest Julio. And uh, then um, Mr. Darcy's like, I'm going to take Bridget away for Christmas now because this one's fucked. We're going to go have a nice Christmas somewhere else. And then they have sex and are in a relationship for the six days after that we know of. Yay. Yay, Bridget. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So now we've reached the point of the episode. Yes. Where it's time to play everyone's favorite game. Yes. What the fuck happened next? What happens next? Um, so first question, and mm-hmm. this one is not multiple choice. How many books are there in the Bridget Jones series? And I was, can you name them? I was literally just going to ask you how many books there were. Um, okay. I know there's the edge of reason mm-hmm. and I know Bridget Jones's baby is a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say there's like five books. Five feels like a right number, but no, I couldn't name any of them other than edge of reason. Oh, wait, wait, maybe there's Bridget Jones. Now I lost it. You are very close. Okay. The books in publishing order uh-huh. are Bridget Jones, Bridget Jones's Diary, Bridget Jones, uh, Edge of Reason, Bridget Jones, uh, Mad About the Boy, mm-hmm. and Bridget Jones's Baby. Mm-hmm. The books in chronological order are Bridget Jones's Diary, Bridget Jones, Edge of Reason, Bridget Jones's Baby, and then Bridget Jones, Mad About the Boy. Okay. This is important to note. All right. I will um, note that. So four right. of them all together. Four all together. Okay. Uh, three movies currently. So first, first multiple choice question. Play along at home. Okay. In Bridget Jones and the Edge of Reason, what meta task does Bridget complete? A. She interviews Colin Firth. Hilarious. B. She does an investigative report on Hugh Grant. Mm. C. She runs into Renee Zellweger in a loo. Or D, she joins a writing workshop with Helen Fielding. Oh, can you? Oh, if it was D, that would just be so funny. Um, I want to say the Hugh Grant one, because she does talk about how she thinks it's wild that Hugh Grant got away with cheating on his wife or whatever mm-hmm. the whole situation was in the 90s with Hugh Grant. I'm going to say mm-hmm. she's, she's, she's chasing that lead down. You are incorrect. Damn it. She interviews Colin Firth. Oh. Which... <laughs> Why? This this book was I was ninety nine, which was before the movie was out. I don't know if they had booked Colin Firth yet or not, but it's because she's obsessed with the uh, BBC version of Pride and Prejudice. Hilarious! The, so and then, here he is to play a different Darcy. Yeah. So then she gets the interview to interview him for an upcoming movie, but can only think about him as Mr. Darcy. Hilarious. Yes. Um, and then he would go on to portray Mark Darcy in the movies. <laughs> Uh, in Bridget Jones and the Edge of Reason, why do Bridget and Mark Darcy split up? Mm. A. Daniel and Bridget are caught in a compromising position at a christening. It better not be. B. Mark's elderly uncle and Bridget are caught in a compromising position at a wedding. Stop. C. Rebecca's teenage nephew and Bridget are caught in a compromising position at a Who's party. Who's Rebecca? Uh, Mark's coworker. Oh, okay, okay, okay. D. Shazer's lesbian sister-in-law and Bridget are caught in a compromising position at a funeral. What? Oh, my God. (laughs) I want to say A because I just feel like Daniel has to be back in the second book. So you're sort of right, but also wrong. Damn it. (laughs) 
So uh, the correct answer is C. Rebecca's teenage nephew and Bridget are caught in a compromising position at oh, the party. Oh, no. Basically, part of the plot of the second book is that Rebecca is secretly into Mark. And okay. so she sort of arranges it so that uh, she invites the two of them as a couple to a party at her parents' house, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and her, she tells her teenage nephew. I did not find how old he was. I could only find teenaged. I didn't have this particular book. I did look up some stuff in the other books. Mm-hmm. Um, but she invites the, or she tells the teenage nephew that they're broken up so that he'll like make a move on Bridget and oh, then God. basically arranges for Bridget and the nephew to be alone in a room together and then stumbles in with Mark. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, the Daniel and Bridget one is the part of the reason for the breakup in Bridget Jones's baby. Okay. Cause the, yeah, they also break up there. Dang. Um, These two. Daniel is in Edge of Reason, mm-hmm. but uh, is not related or does not cause the breakup. Okay. Uh, next question. Who does Bridget ultimately end up with? So this would be in the third book, which is chronologically the last one. Okay. A, Mark Darcy. B, Daniel Cleaver. C, Vile Richard. D, some guy named Scott. The fact that you had to ask this question must mean it's not Mr. Darcy. That is wild to me. What a wild choice. D, some guy named Scott. You're right. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, what happened? So we'll get more into Scott in a minute maybe. But um, essentially book three, there was a huge, like I remember this when I was, I think I was in high school at the time. There was a big hullabaloo about it because uh, Helen Fielding killed Mark Darcy. <gasps> yeah. The book, oh, my God. The book takes place five years after Mark Darcy's death. Um, I had no idea. Yes. So she does end up with Mark Darcy in the sense that they but were together done-zo. until his death. But then he does die and she oh. ends up with some guy named Scott at the end of this book. I don't like it. Damn. Uh, next question. Oh, God. I'm sad. No, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Before Bridget can get her happily ever after with some guy named Scott, she spends a good chunk of book three being mad about the boy, a 23-year-old named Rockster. How did they meet? One, or A, he is her children's chess teacher and pulls a move on her at a school concert. Mm. B, he is her reply guy on Twitter and she eventually starts up a flirtation after getting nagged a lot. (laughs) C, he is her dead husband's illegitimate child, and they get wasted and hook up at his funeral. No. D, he is Julio, catfishing her with a new alias. Hilarious, though. When did this book come out? Uh, 2016 was the baby. I think it was 2008, maybe, for Mad About the Boy, because there was a bit of a gap there. Okay. I would love it. I, I, I'm going to say D because that would be wild. It would be so good, but I did come up with that myself. <laughs> uh, the correct answer is he is her reply guy on Twitter. No. And she eventually starts with a flirtation after getting nagged a lot. Again, this could be the Britishism of it all, but basically his first like tweet at her is basically like, I hate the thing you tweeted. It's making me throw up in my mouth. Why does she love that kind of flirting so she much? She loves it. Um, I will say option A he is her children's chess teacher and pulls a move on her at a school concert, is some guy named Scott. 
That is how they meet. No. So is he also younger or is he? No, he is older than her. Okay. okay. Um, He is appropriately aged and very like boomer parent from what I like. I read some of this book. I didn't read all of it because it's like pretty long. Um, But I did read bits to make sure I wasn't lying. Um, And yeah, he's like very like the children just need this. And I hate modern day parenting and blah, 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 blah. I did not like him from what I read of him. But maybe he gets better. I don't know. No. Um, she seems happy though. Good for her. Good uh, for her. Bonus I'm sad points for her now. Actually, I know. Bonus points. Okay, okay, okay. The I'm most ready. recent and possibly final book in the series, Bridget Jones's Baby, was published essentially concurrently with the third film's release. One was uh, October two thousand sixteen was the book, and September two thousand sixteen was the movie. So, so the there, movie came first. Movie came out first, but I have to assume that like. Fielding had already written the book. Maybe I'm not okay. Really so sure. she maybe like wrote the screenplay it's, along with the book. Yeah, or it's not. I'm. It's not really clear exactly how that breakdown okay. happened. Um, what is the major difference between the book and the movie? A. Mark Darcy is not in the book. Be B. Wild. Mark Darcy is not in the movie. He C. Is. Daniel Cleaver is not in the book. Mm. Or D. Daniel Cleaver is not in the movie. Now, I know they're both in the movies because I do really enjoy that movie. Is he in the movie? Is Colin Firth in that? Oh, no. Now I'm second guessing myself. I'm pretty sure they are because I think there's a scene where they're in the hospital room and they're kind of like fighting over who gets to pamper Bridget or something. I'm going to say I don't think Daniel's in the book. You are incorrect. Damn it. Is it one of the movie ones? Let me really say. The correct answer is that Daniel is not in the movie. Is he not? He's not. He is a different character named Jack Quint, played by Patrick Dempsey. Really? Yes, but he fulfills the it, it's not I know, I thought the same thing. What? No, not. this is this is like one of those the this is, Mandela yes, effects. This is Mandela certainly. effect because I was like it's Hugh Grant, right? No, it's not. It is it is Patrick Dempsey playing a fully new character um but he fulfills the exact same role as daniel cleaver in the book which is that basically she fucks both of them very close together and they are unsure who the father is and they both decide that they will be in the baby's life and then um bridget uh uh they end up doing a paternity against mark which is what happens in the book and also explains why in the third book mad about the boy uh daniel is a babysitter for their kids hilarious yeah but in the movie uh, because Hugh Grant, I, I don't know if there was something contentious with like he didn't want to be in it or what, but they um, like I believe it opens or it's very close to the opening of uh, Daniel Cleaver's funeral. And uh, Daniel in the movie is stated to have died in a plane crash. But then yeah, it's revealed like it's revealed at the end that he actually secretly survived. So Hilarious. there's like a little bit of like, oh, well, Hugh Grant can come back for another movie if he wants to sort of thing. I could have. I honestly. I know. Me too. My mind me too. I could have sworn. I could have sworn. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, when did it come out? 2016? I hadn't seen it since 2016. But yeah. like. Wow. I would have. I would have. If you had asked me. Without me having had looked it up, I would be like, yeah, obviously. Obviously, obviously Hugh, Hugh Grant's in that movie. No, he's not. He's not. And also, it's wild that they made that book and movie after having killed Mark Darcy. Honestly, it's probably book. just like an I'm sorry, please, yeah. please, please love Bridget again. Because. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Wild. Wild times. Wild stuff. But yeah, that's what happens more or less in the following books in Bridget Jones's diary series. That's even wilder that, okay, so in the third book, mm-hmm. Mark Darcy's dead. Full but then dead. the fourth movie, the third movie, fourth book movie, 
opens with you Grant Daniel being Cleaver, dead. Yes, Daniel Cleaver <laughs> being dead and Mark Darcy being alive. And it's like, uh, what's even happening here? That is, I had no idea the drama of. And uh, it's wild also Bridget. that they like, they changed it to just this fully new character who hadn't existed and didn't exist yeah. after instead of changing it to like Scott, right? Because then yeah. it would like. I don't know if they do a fourth movie makes some kind of sense. Maybe? Yeah, where Darcy's but, dead and then. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you get together with, with the. But I guess that would be kind of awkward of like, oh, you secretly wanted him to be the father of your kids all along or something, you know, Yeah, a little bit tarnish the Mark Darcy of it. That but yeah, be. it's it's a wild trajectory for this book series. Amazing. I will say just so nobody asks me, I know that there are also like some novellas and stuff, but I didn't count those because mm. I didn't care. Uh, yeah, they're like they're optional. Yeah, and it was hard to find like full plot summaries of any of these books, so I did have to, I did download Bridget Jones's Baby and basically read that whole one because it's pretty short. And then I read like bits and pieces of Mad About the Boy mm. to to fact check the things that I was seeing. Bridget's online. life is just Wild. incredible. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Well, I'm done with her. <laughs> Throw her to the side. <laughs> uh, Just like Jack Cleaver did. Yep. Wait, Jack Cleaver? Isn't that his name? Jack? Jack Quint is the new character. Jack Daniel Quint. Cleaver. Daniel is... Cle God damn it, no. <laughs> well, we'll we'll come back with another one of these types of books, but not just yet. Not just uh yet. next week we are going to be reading the first book in the Ravenpaw manga. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go. With the Ravenpaw manga book one. I don't know what it's called. You guys can you look You guys it up, know. Um, the week after that, we're going to be starting a new submitted unit uh, since we wrapped up our Choose Your Own Adventure unit. Uh, submitted by literary slummer Lori. Uh, Thank you, Lori. Friend, but most importantly, listener. Yes, obviously. <laughs> Um, who suggested that we read our friends are just ears to us (laughs) (laughs) that we read uh, gender bent retellings Um, starting with the first of the Lady Sherlock books A Study in Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas yes which I think I have like I've read before may have may have suggested on the podcast but it's been years so yeah it's wild that we can say that Know, that we can it? say it's been years since we suggested something yeah mm-hmm. god mm-hmm. We're, we're old yes uh and you know that means what's on the table for us if we do gender event retellings don't you no what does that mean <gasps> all right oh no oh no we do have to do that we do have to do that for the second we book i'm pretty sure that. we do have to do that is the problem is the oh, problem no. i know you guys love us talking about here on the podcast oh, no um so um yes yeah, so but we'll be starting with the sherlock one for sure perfect i can't wait uh this is gonna be very fun um in the meantime if you have any books or units you'd like for us to cover on the podcast either because you think we would love them or hate them you can Tweet at us for now at ShelfAwareCast. I don't know if and when that will be changing. You can X us or Z us, whatever it's called, post us. 
Um, or you can email us, shuffleawarecast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cote for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, I um, will write about you in my diary. It'll be very unflattering for you. You don't want that. You don't want that. I'm going to publish it in the newspaper. And I'm going to make a lot of money off of you. So maybe do do that. Mm, I'm confused now. Mm. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like. Uh, In the words of Helen Fielding, come on, let's get you a drink. How's your love life anyway? Oh, God, why can't married people understand that this is no longer a polite question to ask? We wouldn't rush up to them and roar, how's your marriage going? Still have sex? She's a woman. She's a single woman. She's tough. She's tough. It's tough out there. It's tough out there for single women in their 30s. It's, shut up. Single female lawyer. <laughs> oh, I wasn't thinking of you. Man. <laughs> Self-burn. Now you made me think it and now I'm laughing. <laughs> this is no Bridget Jones. This is no... Bridget, Bridget. Is that from something? The Wombats. Oh, okay. I don't know it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>